Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, who saw that coming? The Buccaneers got beat 38-3 to by the New Orleans Saints. It was worse than that. They were down 31 to nothing at halftime. So... We're going to dissect this one. Tom Brady was not good. The defense was not good. It was not good, and now the Buccaneers have lost both games to the Saints, who lead the NFC South. We'll dive into this one a little bit with Joey Knight, our uh, new Bucks beat writer. And we'll introduce him tonight on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, uh, in addition to uh, Old Northeast Jewelers, you guys know those people. They're at 4th Street in St. Pete. They've been there for years. Well, now they have a brand-new store in Hyde Park. The grand opening was this past October. Now, the address is 1607 West Swan Avenue in Hyde Park Village. It's beautiful down there. You know, the Grand Seiko is their watch that's described as uh, pure essentials of watchmaking, elevated to the level of art. This is not your grandfather's Seiko, it's Grand Seiko. It's the ultimate in timekeeping, the ultimate in style, and the ultimate in collectability. Tell them that Rick and Steve sent you, and they'll give you one extra year warranty on your purchase. Go see our friends at Old Northeast Jewelers on 4th Street in St. Pete and now in Hyde Park. All right, Joy, first of all, um, our readers are, of course, familiar with your work uh, at the Times covering the University of South Florida. You now have, um, for better and now tonight worse, uh, been moved <laughs> over to help and uh, uh, join me in covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So this game against the Saints was, I had looked, gone back and looked at it, maybe one of the most important ones um, you know, since 2007, 2008. Uh, Sunday Night Football hadn't been here since 2008. Um, but a chance to go a game and a half up on the Saints, not avoid the sweep, obviously, and really would have walked out of here with the number one seed in the NFC. I got to be honest with you. I didn't see this coming. I thought they would play better. It was always a possibility they could get beat. This was a football team that didn't look like they were prepared to play tonight. You know, Rick, I've been covering USF for the last seven years. I thought I was done seeing romps at Raymond James Stadium. I guess not. Yeah, you're right. They look listless, and they that's been an issue that Bruce Arians has talked about when you come into – Mostly empty stadiums or empty stadiums. They struggle to find their juice. We saw that in New York last week. We saw it tonight, obviously. And, you know, you, you hear a lot of talk on Twitter after the game, uh, burn the tape, just move on. No, you don't burn this tape because they're going to see these guys again. The road back here to Raymond James in February is going to go through the Saints now, who have a commanding two-game lead at most on Tampa Bay. So, They've got to study the tendencies, what they're doing wrong against these guys, what New Orleans is doing right against them. You've you got to dissect this more than any, all the other ones. Don't burn this tape. Study it like no other. Yeah, you know, it, it, was, um, it was bad from the start. And, you know, when you start out slow in football games, the one thing I know, and it's probably true in college too, but definitely in the NFL, if, if you're not prepared – um, you'll get your block knocked off. I mean, there's not a big margin of error here, especially in the NFL, and especially against the Saints, who have been together with, with Sean Payton and Drew Brees 
and all those guys, and, and we'll talk about Taysom Hill, who they, was unstoppable for them. Um, it was the three and outs. It was it was putting their defense in a bad position. Yeah, you know, New Orleans came out and they drove the ball sixty five yards with the first possession, but then it was, you know, four consecutive three and outs um, before the turnovers started, and that's a terrible way to start a football game. And the one thing I didn't understand, you know, they all week long we we talked about Antonio Brown. Uh, Chris Godwin did play with a with a with a broken finger. They had Mike Evans, who they didn't target uh, very often again, and they also had Scotty Miller. So you thought with all these receivers with Gronkowski, this would be a difficult task for the Saints defense. It turned out that the Saints defense was dominant, and and they beat the Bucks up front. I know Ali Marpet wasn't in this game, but clearly th- this game was lost at the line of scrimmage as much as anything. No question. You know, Ali Marpet's loss had something to do with it. Uh, the guy who lines up to the left of Ali Marpet, you yep. know, had something to do with it tonight. And, and and on top of that, Rick, something I noticed, we knew that Tom and Antonio Brown probably weren't going to be on the same page note for note the first night out. But he didn't seem on the same page with a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. Just a lot of misreads, a lot of miscommunication. It happened more than once. Obviously on that on the second interception of the night where Antonio Brown appeared to pull up or just stop, stop. on a route, you know, uh, obviously that was a miscommunication, but it happened once I think with Scotty Miller if I'm not mistaken. It, it happened two or three times. That's something you don't expect in game 8 with Antonio Brown in game 1. Yes, but I mean we're ha- at the halfway point of the season. That's what was surprising to me, just the uh, discombobulation of the offense. And, of course, as you mentioned, just the lack of protection up front just made it worse. You know, it goes to show you, too, because uh, Bruce Arians has come out here and said we've had good practices, and he said it again that they had really good practices this week. It, it just didn't, it didn't translate um, into the game. And, uh, you know, you look – of course, they got behind early as, as fast as you can, 14 to nothing in the first quarter, obviously 31 to nothing by halftime. But they, they, they never really attempted to slow down the Saints' pass rush. They had a total of four rushes and, and, one of the, and a kneel down at the end of the game. I've not seen many games – I don't think I've seen any games in, in, in the Bucks history that I've covered them where they walked out of here – with just you know five attempts for eight yards running the football, and you know Tom Brady threw it thirty-eight times, only two hundred nine yards. At some point, you got to be a little bit balanced, and you know especially with with the with the offensive line with you know missing Marpet, it just seemed to me like they got a little frenetic there on throwing the ball almost every down the first four series almost almost exclusively. Yeah, a, a little hasty to me. You know, Bruce Arian said we had to go to two-minute offense for pretty much the whole game, but I, I think they started a little, little prematurely. Yeah. You know, th- this is the NFL. You can you can make up some deficits in pretty short order. Maybe not 31 to nothing, but, you know, right. 21 nothing is not insurmountable. And they just got away from trying any kind of a semblance of a running game early on, and you saw what you saw. And I, I agree with you, five net rushes for eight yards, and one of those rushes was a Blaine Gabbert kneel down. That counts as one. So, uh, you know, not at any college or pro level can I remember those kind of rushing numbers. That's got to be some kind of record. Yeah, it, it wasn't good. And, you know, the thing about this is that <laughs> up until now, Tom Brady has been the story of the NFL, right? Tom Brady was here. Uh, he starts out 6-2 and two with his new team. They keep adding pieces. They add, you know, Rob Gronkowski and Leonard Fournette 
And, oh, yeah, here comes Antonio Brown, who kind of sucked the oxygen out of the week, if you will. You wrote stories about him, all of that. Um, So Tom Brady is building what amounts to a Pro Bowl team around him. And, you know, you, these are the games, these big games that he has won his entire career. That's that's why he has six Super Bowl wins and nine Super Bowl appearances. So if ever it was there for Tom Brady to play big, um, it was tonight against the NFC South champs who have won this division three years in a row and now have beaten the Bucks five straight times. What happened? Is, 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 is there too much newness still with Brady and the Bucks, Or... I mean, we every you know a couple of weeks ago, everybody said that that Drew Brees' arm was dead, that he was through. He was the better quarterback tonight, and the, and 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 frankly, he owns his series against Brady for his career. You know, tonight I was talking to, uh, I believe I mentioned it to John Romano, who was sitting right next to me. You know, Drew Brees looked a very young forty-one tonight, and Tom Brady looked a very old forty-three. And, you know, you, you talk about is, is it still newness eight games in? You know, that may have something to do with it. But the bottom line is, you know, the, the three prominent opponents, you know, Saints, Bears, you know, the exception of Green Bay, whom they walloped, they have not played well. That's three or four games. They just have not played very well at all. And it, it, it's got to be concerning at this point. And something else, uh, you know, I'll point out here, Rick, all these guys they brought in, as you mentioned, Gronkowski, Leonard Fournette. You know, even we haven't even heard Mike Evans chirp really yet. I mean, he's a class guy, and he hasn't had very many targets at all. You know, I thought he was underutilized tonight again. Yeah. Um, but in spite of all that, they seem to have maintained a pretty good chemistry. Even you know, even on bad nights like this, mm-hmm. you know, they're six and three. The chemistry still seems to be there. If this thing goes south. It's going to be interesting to see how much more oxygen Antonio Brown sucks out of it. You know, you, you saw his kind of gesture tonight. You know, he, he catches a little simple slant route for 15 yards for a first down and gets up and gestures the ball toward a first down, pumps himself up, and they're losing 31 to nothing at that point. Um, you know, what does that mean? I, I don't know. It may mean nothing. But, you know, if this thing starts to go south in the next two or three games, it's going to be really interesting to, just to see how much character, how much Antonio Brown's character has changed, if at all. Would it be too, uh, I don't know what the word would be, accusatory, too early, too premature to say that Brown's mere presence and what you have to imagine was Byron Leftwich trying to incorporate him in the game plan Um and they said he could play anywhere from 10 to 30, 35 plays, depending on what, what happened in the game. So you're going into the game saying, we've got a new toy. We've got, we've got somebody we want to get the ball to. And when Brady played with him uh, against Miami with the New England Patriots, the one game he played, he was only there for 14 days. His first three or four targets were, were to Antonio Brown. I just wonder how much of that coming into the game being a focus and not – not that they weren't on the same page. On the, I, I don't really know, but, I mean, to go three and out that many times seems unusual. It seems like something was out of sync. And you just wonder, and we'll never know this, had they just continued on with the three receivers that they primarily rely on instead of trying to add another ingredient to the mix. I mean, Joey, sometimes, you know, the the dish is pretty good. You you, you maybe need to stop there if, if everything is working right. Could that have had some you know, conscious or unconscious effect on 
what they were trying to do and how the Saints were able to stop it. I think so. You know, we, we accuse players of going out and trying to do too much to help their team win. Maybe Brian, Byron Leftwich was trying to do a little too much just to get Antonio Brown incorporated a, a little too early. Uh, you know, uh, we'll, we'll see. Time will tell if, uh, if that's the case in the next two or three games. I, I think it probably is a little too premature to rush to any conclusions, you know, after one night. But, yeah, you, you make a great analogy of, you know, the dish is fine. Or, or, you know, at what point is it the law of diminishing returns and we're adding a little too much and it takes away the, the flavor of the dish. Um, but, you know, sometimes coaches can just try to do a little too much just, just like players can. But, again, you know, I'll go back to my previous point. If, you know, the chemistry has really been impressive so far and, you know, if this thing continues to get discombobulated, it's going to be really interesting just to see, you know, what that locker room and what that sideline's like going forward. Another thing that I think could be a trend that the Bucks have to worry about is their run defense. This has been the best rush defense in the last two seasons. They entered even the game number one. But now we've seen the Giants be very physical with them in, in a game that they were fortunate to win 25-23 on the – the penalty that was picked up on the two-point conversion try on the last play. And, you know, on Sunday night, I mean, the New Orleans Saints combined to rush for 138 yards. Now they only averaged 3.7. There, there were some some negative runs in there. But when you look at a guy like Kamara, um, who's always dangerous, Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill is is part of the evolution of this Saints offense. Um He's he's their heir apparent, apparently, to Drew Brees. Doesn't throw the ball a lot. In fact, what was interesting is I think the Bucks overplayed the run early in the game, and he hurt them um, throwing the football. He was two for two for 48 yards, including a 29-yarder early on. Uh, this Saints offense, if you look at it, there's 11 guys that caught passes, you know, and I think I think 10 of them, like, in the first quarter. Drew Brees and the Saints – are starting to play at a different level. At least they did tonight against a really good defense. And, and you know what's scary? If you're a Bucks fan, you should be scared. Alvin Kamara has not really had a standout game against the Bucks recently, you know, uh, in recent memory. He hasn't been a huge factor. You know, you alluded to it tonight, nine carries, 40 yards, averaging about four and a half a carry. And, and the Saints left some points out on the board. Didn't they fumble inside yeah. the five-yard line? You know, Um so again, you know, I'll go back to my original point. You don't burn this film. You study it like mad and just see what are these guys doing? What are they doing at the line of scrimmage to get the better of us? You know, what is Taysom Hill doing that's given him so much success? You know, what are they doing to get, you know, what is Drew Brees doing just to, you know, just being such a good wavelength with his receivers? There's got to be something you can dissect and get out of it. But, uh, you know, this could have been easily 45 to 3. Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
The other thing um, that is happening or not happening is um, they're not getting much pressure on the quarterback. Um, Shaq Barrett had a sack fumble. That's only his um, fifth of the season, I believe, or fourth of the season. He came in with three at 19 and a half a year ago. You know, JPP leads them with, uh, what, six, six and a half sacks, something like that. But for the most part, Drew Brees was way too comfortable in the pocket. And the unusual thing, Joey, is we've seen Todd Bowles dial up blitzes. We've seen him play man coverage. We've seen him play press. For whatever reason, you can die quick or you can die slow against this team. He chose to die slow. He sat back in a zone. He rushed four for the most part. And Drew Brees just carved them up. And even Sean Payton was surprised by that approach. What do you think caused them to sit back in, in a zone and and allow, allow Breeze to, to kind of play seven-on-seven seven with them? I really don't know because even though the sack total may not be high, they're disrupting the quarterback, and we've seen that game after game. You know, Shaq Barrett, you know, his sack total is not nearly as high as it was in that, you know, incredible 2019 season, but he's making a difference. He's He's forcing fumbles, and he's, you know, allowing other guys to get freed up to make sacks. So I've never been really worried about the sack total until tonight. And to, and just like you mentioned, why they were sitting back and, you know, I don't want to say complacent, but maybe conservative, for lack of a better term. Not aggressive. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't understand that. You know, that's something we'll have to ask Bruce Arians, you know, when the smoke clears a little more, maybe, you know. Uh, at his, at his Monday press conference, but it, it just it just didn't figure, you know. Uh, I don't think Drew Brees has quite the trigger as Tom Brady in terms of release, but he's got a good one, you know. You 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 can't last in this league till you're 41 without a pretty good one, and you know when you give him that kind of time, he's just going to cut you up, and boy, he did tonight. Yeah, I mean, and this has been a secretary, uh, a secondary, not secretary, a secondary that has, you know managed to 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 deflect a lot of passes to to defend a lot of passes and then when you look at the totals um you know there just weren't that many in fact there were two two passes defensed we've seen that on on a series right i mean when you talk about jamal dean when you talk about carlton davis who, who went into this game tied for the lead with four interceptions i don't remember them doing anything but tackling guys after they caught the football i'm dumbfounded by this and they still managed to blow coverage, which which is interesting. The, the easiest thing to play in the NFL is cat coverage. You get this cat, you get this cat, you get this cat. There's never a confusion if you know that's your man, right? You might get beat, but it's man to man. Okay, we saw on the fir- one of the first touchdowns, early touchdowns, Jamal Dean jumps what he thinks is going to be a screen out in the flat to Kamara, and his guy runs right by him into the end zone and is by himself. Breeze almost overthrows him; he's so open. That sort of breakdown, you know, is, is something now we've seen with Dean two weeks in a row, and he's a guy that's starting in place of Sean Murphy Bunting. Bunting also didn't have a great game. So, you know, we ended the, the, the year saying this was a young secondary. They looked like they were growing up. We're starting to see some hiccups out here that, that is not a good sign because maybe their youth or, or exuberance or cockiness, whatever it is, it, it was on display tonight, and on Sunday night, and they, they got torched. They got exposed. No question. And, you know, whether this is an aberration or not, we'll see. But, you know, when it's 31 to nothing at halftime, what's the harm in coming out and say, hey, guys, let's just pin our ears back and go after Drew. Let's just, you know, what we've done in the first half isn't working. Let's, you know, let's just try something different and shake it up, you know, at least, you know, make him think a little bit, you know. And 
that just didn't happen. And like you indicated, there was some discombobulation in the secondary. Uh, you know, again, we'll find out, you know, next Sunday at Carolina if this is an aberration because they're facing – you talk about improved teams. That Carolina team I saw today was pretty darn good. So, you know, we're going to find out in a real hurry whether this is just a – you know, whether this was just a fluke tonight or if there are some deep-seated problems that they they got to fix. But, you know, I just I just don't understand why you don't change up when you're – you know, losing 31 and nothing. Why not try something different? And they didn't. We'll get to Carolina in a minute, but I did want to say that if there's a trend, is that, that this team has not played well on national TV. They got five primetime games thrown at them when the season started. They had a short week and went to Chicago on a Thursday night. They had some injuries. I'll almost chalk some of that up to just that, right? Just a, a bad week. And they had that game won. Um, they were, you know, they were leading. They lost it twenty to nineteen, but they had to lead with two forty eight to go. Needed a first down. You know, Tom forgot how many downs there were with the four fingers. It's become a meme now. But it was a bad performance on their first nationally te- televised game. Okay, then um, the next game they go to New York on a Monday night and play one of their worst games and get out of there winning twenty five twenty three on again a two point conversion try with a flag that was picked up. Definitely not one of their best games. And then tonight, the nation was tuning in because they thought these are the two two of the best teams in the NFC. It's Breeze versus Brady. This would have been the most highly rated. I mean, I don't know what the ratings will end up, but I guarantee you the casual football fan knows that they're not going to see these two quarterbacks oppose each other, maybe ever again. You know, this could be it. We don't know because we don't know what Breeze is going to do. I think Brady will be back, but who knows if they play again. And they laid an egg. No, they made an omelet. I mean, this was this was the bright lights, and they melted down. Is there something to be said? I know Brady has been on the biggest stage and has performed as well as anyone in the league's history. But is there something to be said for a team that isn't used to this, that it, it just isn't going out here and playing when it, when they know everyone is watching? I mean, maybe that's a stretch. I mean, I don't know. You know, it just... It seems too much of a pattern just to be a fluke at this point. You, you pointed out the games, Chicago, New York, and now tonight. So, you know, maybe this is a team that, you know, uh, looks to be a primetime team, but maybe it's not so ready for primetime. I don't know. They're going to get another chance. they got another Monday night game coming up against a pretty good team, if I'm not mistaken, in about three weeks. So, you know, can they clean it up before then? Can, you know, can they – Reprove to the nation that they're a bona fide playoff contender. I just don't know. It's the darndest thing I've seen for them just to come out and, you know, like you say, lay an egg on national TV game after game after game. It doesn't figure. And you talk about the casual fan. The casual fan who, you know, tunes into the NFL every now and then, who knows maybe a handful of players in this league, they watched tonight and they said, Tom Brady's washed up. It's over. You know, what other conclusion could you come, you know, other than that? Man, this guy. It's time for him to hang it up. You know, that's just one game, one night. But the casual fan probably watched that and said, man, this guy's through. And yet the only team that has gotten him is New Orleans. I mean, the bottom line is after after the first three weeks, he was three touchdowns, three interceptions. Then he goes 17 touchdowns, one interception, goes back and plays New Orleans again. Five of his seven interceptions this year, including a pick six, have, have come from, from the Saints. Now, I will say this. He had some fluky things happen. Right. Ball got batted around a couple of times. The defensive lineman ended up with it. One, he was throwing up on fourth down because he had no other play. Um, he did have the miscommunication with Brown, as you mentioned. 
Um, but Brady, the Saints have gotten Brady now, um, you know, for five picks, and, and that's that's not what you want. It's a week-to-week league. A couple of weeks ago, people were talking about Tom Brady and the Bucks. They were saying he could be an MVP candidate. They were saying they're the best team in the NFC. You know that in the NFL, it's only as good as your previous your previous outing. So Carolina, though, took Kansas City on the road to the mat. I mean, they took them all the way down. So Christian McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey's back. What do you what do you expect? How do you expect them to rebound from this? Um, you know, which playing a night game, you have a short week again. Well, I expect Carolina to rebound from its excruciating loss probably better than Tampa Bay, which had a totally different type of excruciating loss yeah. because Matt Rule, I guarantee, is saying to those guys, look, this is, the, this is the gold standard of the NFL right now. Look how close we play them. We can play with anybody in this league. You know, now the Bucks are coming in, you know, next Sunday. I think they, I think they come out, you know, at home with a lot of juice. Um, you know, on the other side, and something else I was thinking as I was watching this game unfold is, you know, as Brady went down twice, sacked, was it two or three consecutive plays in which he two was sacked? Two in a row. Two, two in a row. And then a pick. You know, and then a pick, exactly. And every time, you know, he got nailed, you say to yourself, guy's 43 years old, is he going to get up? You know, they're, they're one 43-year-old guy's knee injury from, you know, be, being done. That's something else you, you got to think about. And I don't mean to sound morbid, but, I mean, the guy's getting hit an awful lot, or at least he did tonight. You know, that that's not fair to say he's been getting hit an awful lot all season because I think this offensive line's playing very well. But against a quality opponent tonight, he got battered. I think New Orleans finished with nine total hits on they him did. tonight, nine hits, mm-hmm. you know. And that's nine, nine hits on a 43-year-old body. And each time you wonder, hey, get up, Tom. You're going to get up. That's something else to consider. We still got eight full games to go before the playoffs. You know Rule a little bit because you covered him when he when he coached at Temple and he did some good things at Baylor. Are you surprised how how quickly? I know they have a losing record or the three and six or whatever it is, um, three and five, three and six. But are you are you surprised how quickly that program is starting to come around? I'm not surprised how hard the Panthers play because everywhere he's been, those guys play hard for him. Even when he started out at Temple and inherited nothing. You know, just a, a a program with not much of a following at all, you know, in suburban Philadelphia. Those guys played hard. And, uh, you know, we've seen that with the Panthers. And obviously, you know, I've never been in a film room with Matt Rule, but obviously he can coach him up some X's and O's because everywhere he's been, he's been pretty darn successful. But one thing that's just typical of his teams they play hard and they play physical. And, you know, I don't know if he started it, but they had that thing at Temple. You know, a big reward is to get a single-digit jersey, like seven or eight. And it went to the defensive guys who played the hardest, who were the toughest, most hard-nosed guys on the team, as selected by the coaches and players. You got that, you know, you got that single-digit number on your jersey, and that's just kind of the signature of a Matt Rule team. Hard, physical, relentless. And I, I'm kind of seeing that from the from the Panthers, not only on defense, but a guy like Christian McCaffrey he just goes out and plays his heart out every game, you know, takes, you know, it's like a pinball, takes about three shots before he goes down. And Teddy Bridgewater's not scared, you know, you know, even with his injury history, he's not scared of taking a hit and, you know, tucking and running. Um, I think this is going to be a really tall test and kind of perhaps a very pivotal game in this season for the Bucks next Sunday. 
Well, uh, we'll be there. It's great to have Joey, of course, uh, with us covering the Bucks the rest of the year, and we'll see where this takes us. Uh, big game against Carolina, who they got up on big at home, and then it became a, a bit of a contest there in the second half when they played them earlier this year. So, uh, folks, before we go, make sure you check out our friends at Old Northeast Jewelers on 4th Street in St. Pete. They've been there for years, and now they have a brand-new store in Hyde Park. Um, it's at 1607 West Swan in Hyde Park Village. Check out the Grand Seiko. I'm telling you, you're going to love this. The ultimate in timekeeping and the ultimate in style. And if you tell them that Rick and Steve sent you, uh, they'll give you one extra year warranty on your purchase. That's Old Northeast Jewelers, 4th Street in St. Pete and now in Hyde Park. For Steve Bursnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times with Joey Knight. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Hi, I'm Dori Shafrier. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are the hosts of Forever 35. And today we're talking about Club Med, the best all-inclusive getaway for families. Today, Club Med has nearly 70 resorts worldwide, from beachside resorts in the Caribbean and Mexico, to magical locations in the Maldives and Morocco, to ski resorts in the mountains from Canada to the Alps. Between their all-inclusive family programming, wellness offerings, land and water sports, and their French heritage-inspired food and drink offerings, Club Med is the best way to elevate your family getaway, no matter which location you're at. To learn more, visit clubmed.us.